everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of In Flight. I'm your host, Sol. I hope you are well. I hope you are enjoying the warmer weather. It seems like the whole United States um, is getting a bit warmer now as summer begins, well, continues to roll in. If you're not in the United States, I don't know what temperature it is there. So uh, I hope that you're enjoying whatever temperature you're experiencing there. On this episode of InFlight, we had the pleasure of speaking to Patrick, who is one of the lead scenery developers for Canada for X-Plane. Canada for X-Plane focuses primarily on Canadian airports. Uh, They are very important to Canadian scenery because they were some of the first people to actually majorly develop scenery in Canada. So before Canada for X-Plane, scenery for Canada didn't really exist. Patrick was really great to talk to. Uh, He was really funny. We shared uh, some bonding moments about trains um, and also talked about the scenery development process and the community as well, because Patrick, like Norm and I, really enjoys the community and giving back to the community, and that was really great to talk to him about. So without further ado, please welcome Patrick to the show. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today, guys. This is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, For those listening, Patrick actually reached out to us first uh, to be on the show uh, because Patrick had been listening to some of our episodes for a while and really liked them. And he wanted to see if he could talk to us. And we immediately said yes, because um, Canada for Explain is a you you make some great stuff and we would love to have you on. And we were actually talking a little bit off recording that we haven't actually had a scenery developer on in a while. So this is a great opportunity for us to hop back into that. Um, so let's, let's hop right into this. So uh, I know you're probably familiar that in the beginning, we like to get to know our guests more and see what their background is and how they got to uh, developing whatever they develop or if they're streamers streaming, whatever they stream. So what got you into scenery development for X-Plane? Well, I, uh, it was a while, like when I was a kid, I used to go to the airport all the time and look at the airplanes and my dad worked at an airline. So he got me into the airplanes all the time. And kind of just had fun sitting in the cockpit, tinkering with buttons and stuff. And I think it was, I remember getting a desktop PC. It wasn't powerful at all. I think it was just like to run Microsoft Office and stuff, but I spent spent a little bit and got uh, moderate specs. And then I was looking around and I think I saw a couple videos by, I think it was Thomas Rasmussen. He uh, did a couple of cinematics and I was like, wow, PC Sims are just amazing now. I, I really want to get my hands on one. So I think the next week I bought the disc copy of X-Plane 10.3, I believe. Wow. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then I just uh, started to, to fly on it. And I think I did my first flight um, before. Like I, At this point, I didn't really have a lot of knowledge about aviation, and, but I was really curious to learn more. So I did a flight between Calgary and Vancouver. And I was impressed, but I was like, wow, there's nothing for Canada up here. I, I kind of looked at, at what was up available on the org, and I got familiar with the org, uh, explain.org. And I was like, it's kind of barren up here. There's, there's nothing left. So uh, I kind of took that to myself, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to just try to make a small scenery and see how hard it is for myself to do that. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it took off from there. Wow, wow that sounds great. So a small scenery turns into what, about 12, 13 sceneries so far or more? 
Oh, I think I have. Oh gosh, it'd, it'd be fifty, maybe. Wow. wow, wow. So hold on, I gotta ask this because you know, did you have an art background, a designing background, a you know the kind of background you had just to know that you can actually tackle uh, airport scenery because I've just dabbled in looking at them and editing them and it's like, man, this is a lot of work. So what did you have before that? To be honest with you, I had I even had very little computer skill with, with me on my side. So it was all brand new to me, all of this. Man. Really? Wow. Yeah. Talk about self-studied, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. We've heard, like, I've, I've, I feel like that's the first time I've heard about a scenery developer just having absolutely nothing from the beginning. So, I mean, props to you. So you you went through and you taught yourself everything. What was one of the hardest things to learn? Well, when I did my first scenery, and mind you, these ones that I'm talking about way back when, when I did them for X point point, or 10.3, they're not the best, and they're obviously not the quality I have today. But um, when I first started, I... I had problems of trying to find objects and models that I could use mm. because, you know, d the default library is okay, but you're not going to get the best quality out of that. So I think I downloaded like 10 libraries uh, off the explain.org and then I downloaded World Editor off of watching a couple YouTube videos and I kind of set up this mildly decent scenery and I was like, well, this isn't bad, but... Um, there was definitely a lot of challenges beginning, just kind of learning how to, to do everything. So like first I learned just how to place objects into the sim itself and using world editor. And that was a big task in itself. And then I realized how to do painting and then I got into Photoshop and then eventually it brought me into 3d design and, uh, it, it just went from something so small to it just got really big, really fast. Now, are these things that you end up using in your day-to-day -day life now, or is that just entirely different than what you usually do? I mean, the 3D design has definitely helped me. I've designed a lot of like uh, small parts for like model trains and stuff, which was kind of cool. Um, I know Photoshop has helped me a lot in uh, classes, too. Um, media design, all of that. Um, I use tons of the stuff that I learned from developing from X-Plane and in my daily life. Wow. I mean... So model trains, are these like, like little Lionel trains that you're talking about? Like those, or is that, or just like, yeah, yeah describe that to me. Cause I'm, I'm a train person myself. So I, you kind of, you kind of hit a buzzword there. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So, um, I got a small uh, set when I was a kid for Christmas and, uh, I think I get, I guess that's another thing I, I wanted to build scenery for my model train set. So, uh, I figured out how to 3D print things and I found out how to get these things into like a laser cutter and uh, get, get these small parts made. And eventually I made like little signs and little houses and all that. And uh, that, that was way before I even got into the flight sim stuff. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I've, my dream one day is to get one of those little sets and just like spend the rest of my life. Like maybe after <laughs> I retire, just <laughs> continuing to make those, um, just just working on these little sets and and making a little world because i used to live in san diego and there's a, a very very impressive model train exhibit that's all the like always up uh, it's in the train museum and you can always see the the guys tinkering with little trains and uh, it's definitely something that i 
I've always wanted to do. So that's actually really cool that that is where you started. That's some common ground. I feel like that, I mean, we, when we interviewed uh, Cessna rocks, uh, she talked about how her, her thing that got her into to X plane and all of that was that she just loves big like machines and stuff. And it seems like that's like, now you have like the smaller details that you really enjoy that brought you mm-hmm. into this. Mm-hmm, definitely. It's funny because they, they do make you talk about model train sets. They do make model airports. Like I've seen pictures and videos of some legit tower, taxiway, runway, even with some of the airplanes taking off and landing uh, at some decent scale. I was like, what is this? Didn't realize that existed before, but that's interesting though that you said that. <clears throat> but have you realized how big of an impact you've made for the Canadian sim community? with your sceneries? I mean, what kind of feedback do you get um, when you started, like when you started and then today, what's the difference in the feedback? That's, that's an awesome question. That's a big question too. There's, there's so many things that have happened and that have taken me on my journey through this. I remember the first time I got an email from, from a guy, he used to work up North flying twin otters for the uh, Canadian air force. And he uh, emailed me saying just how, awesome it is to be able to fly in a simulator and kind of bring him back to his glory days and that first email was like wow I actually impacted someone in the community and they really appreciate what I do and uh, that was the first of many that I got that I was just amazed yeah I mean I I can tell you from you know my personal feelings on your scenery uh I really love Montreal in Canada Uh, I live in New York so it's a in terms of trips to other countries is actually a quick short hop away um and it it just has a it has a very important place in my heart Uh, i don't know there's something about canada you guys are very friendly there (laughs) (laughs) um and uh i remember just i remember seeing your scenery and it was one of the only ones for montreal that actually really made me excited to to be there and and to actually fly there and you know that's a very special feeling and something that i we were talking about in in threshold when we came out with an article about people who were really trying to go into the asian airport uh scene because there were there was a lack of that there were a lot of european and american airports but uh none in asia and you know it's it really speaks volumes to uh the the kind of person you are and the type type of work that you do if you're really willing to go into um if you're willing to go into something that nobody has gone into before. So I just wanted to commend you for that. Um, But I also want to know uh, how do you make sure your airports and your scenes are as accurate as possible? What do you, what do you kind of process do you go through? So I've flown with, with like just sitting in the seat of a jet with an airline, right? Like air Canada or whatever. And I've flown to a lot of Canadian airports and when I was younger, I'd, I'd take a lot of pictures with uh, with my old phone or my old iPod, I guess. And uh, I just got really fascinated on how on how it everything was was so unique to every single airport within every single city in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I guess I had to make sure of myself that when uh, I started to develop stuff. So mainly, what I do is I use Google Earth. Um, Google Earth has evolved so much now that it's really easy to get a, a true-to-earth picture of what you uh, want, want to develop. And then uh, sometimes if I know somebody, 
I'll uh, hey, I'll ask him. It's like, hey, can you uh, run up, run out to the airport and take a couple pictures of me for for a little bit? And uh, oh, wow, I, nice. I've had tons of people come up to me and they're like, hey, dude, are you going to do this scenery? Because I'll go out and take a bunch of pictures for you and uh, all that stuff. So, yeah. So that's the kind of community feedback that I love. That actual, you know, people are just volunteering their time to get you the material so you can put it together and, and work on stuff. That's great, man. I mean, I came across your stuff on the recommendation of um, Canadians who watch me stream sometimes, and they're like, "Hey, you have this scenery and that scenery." I'm like, "No, what are you talking about?" He goes, "Yeah, go to Canada for explain." I'm like, "Canada for what?" <laughs> and so, just hitting on your website, by the way, uh, you have a website out. It's all Canada for Explain dot Weebly dot com, and now it's made me want to get ortho. So I can do these different flights now that I never thought about doing before. You know, everybody goes to Toronto, right? You know, I just did the I just did the Vancouver, and I see that you have one coming up, which we're going to talk. About, I want to ask you about a little bit. But there's so many more places in Canada to fly to, and the terrain is beautiful. So you know, you having this library of of um, I call it a library now because it's a lot of sceneries just makes me want to go there and do it. Um, I see that you are doing um, <clears throat> Vancouver, and is this going to be your best scenery, you would say, or the one that you're going to put the most work into, or how would you class this one coming out? I mean, I try to put the most work in every project. Like, I, I do put the most work in every project, but of course, every project you do, you learn a little bit more every time. Right. And uh, since Vancouver is going to be our most recent one, I'm really putting all the resources that I possibly have into this because I really want to give the community a, you know, a really good product. And I've been talking about developing it for a long time and I have been developing it for a long time. So I'm really excited where it's going to pick up really quite, uh, fast here soon. And uh, yeah, I would say that, that Vancouver will definitely be our, our best product to date. But our next project, we're probably going to beat it again, right? Every, every single time you learn a little bit more. And that that's what I want to do. I want to put the most effort I can into my products. So speaking of learning, which project have you learned from the most so far? Is it your last project or is it your first project or somewhere in between? I think um, the project I learned the most from would probably be our two recent ones, Quebec and Hamilton, our two first payware commercial sceneries. Um, I really learned how to get really down into the modeling and making sure it was you know, 99% accurate to the real world. Um, before that, even though I would spend a lot of time, the models and the other freeware stuff that we had in the past weren't exactly the way they were. I mean, they were very close and they were very accurate, but they weren't, you know, that 99.9% accurate that, that I want to be, right? Mm -hmm. So after we did Hamilton and, and Quebec, I, I really found that, that, that uh, eye for the detail and what you have to look out for and... Uh, what you need to make sure that you include so that the customer really gets the proper immersion. Because like I said before, every single airport in the world pretty much is unique, right? So when you download or purchase a scenery, you really want to feel what it's like to be on that apron and you're taking off from that runway, right? Like you want to know exactly how it feels. So that that's what I strive for. And I think Hamilton and Quebec have definitely kind of brought us to that point where I'm comfortable with where our product quality is and I'm, I'm happy where it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I got to tell you that it does make a difference when you do a one hour, two hour, three hour, four or five hour flight and you land in a scenery that actually looks like a city or a town or, you know, 
its accurate representation gives you satisfaction that you just completed a flight into somewhere that's nice looking. You know what I mean? Uh, the X-Plane default is just what? Green texture and a couple of buildings and that's it. You know, So I definitely um, <clears throat> like coming into a scenery and just seeing it looking like, wow, this is New York City. This is Quebec. This is Toronto. This is Vancouver. So that's a good part about it. Uh, a couple of questions about uh, payware because you started with all freeware, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, going forward, is is it always going to be all, all payware going forward based on the the quality that you're putting out now, or any freeware come mixing in there? Um, I know for Vancouver, I will touch on this for a little bit. Um, we're doing the uh, we're developing the city center and uh, harbor uh, seaplane base all for free. Uh-huh. Um, I don't want to go away from freeware because I know I kind of built the whole development group off of freeware and I know what it feels like to download a super awesome freeware scenery. and I don't want to take that away. So what I have said is I've made a promise that all the, the, the scenery that I have for free today are going to stay today, are going to stay free today. Like I'm never going to replace it with, with the payware scenery. No, that's good. That's dedicated. That's time. That's work. And I have to say personally for me, you know, I, I, I applaud and I, I, I support developers, you know, uh, payware just as much as freeware stuff, because without you guys, there would be no content. There would be no places to fly into the simulator. So, you know, I, I believe me, I don't mind a payware scenery, man. Cause I know one, you as the developer is going to put quality behind the work and you're going to stand by it and you're going to update it whenever it needs to be updated. If, if anything comes up or if the simulator changes and so forth. Um, any um, possibilities of going back and updating your older sceneries to expand level standards or anything like that? Oh, kind definitely. Of- I've been, I mean, since I have so many out there, we have a list and I think I'm like probably not even a third of the way down the list um, just because I'm focusing on our flagship projects right now. But uh, on my website, I uh, set up all of the old scenery that we made for X-Plane 10 and I put it into the archive folder. So everyone still is allowed to download it if they want, but it's not kind of in the spotlight as it's not the quality that that I want to put out right now. Um, but I, I still wanted to be able for you guys to download it if you still wanted to, right? So uh, I know Calgary, one of our, probably one of the biggest freeware sceneries that we've done. I'm definitely planning on updating that because that, that's where my home base is and I just love flying into Calgary. So I'm definitely going to update it again and it's, it's going to stay freeware. But uh, it, it'll definitely have all of the standards and qualities that you'll see in Vancouver and Quebec and Hamilton and so on. So when you look to update something, what are you looking at? Are you looking at updating the PBR textures? Or are you looking at just redoing the entire thing? How do you think you're going to be approaching these? Because many, many scenery developers update their projects as new technologies come along. Uh, and they all kind of seem to choose different things that they go for, like, Mr. X uh, with his uh, Los Angeles that became a payware, the payware upgraded one seemed like he focused mostly on textures and redoing that as opposed to modeling since the modeling was already pretty substantial. What are you going to be looking at? Um, it, it depends how old they are. The, the older they are, I think the more we're just going to start from scratch and redo it all. Um, but like, let, let's take Calgary, for example. Um, I did the modeling on it and some of the modeling is okay. Some of it is really good, but uh, some of it definitely needs to be replaced. I know the terminal building was uh, not, you know, it's not 99.9% accurate to the real world. So I'm definitely going to start fresh and build an entire new terminal. Um, 
I know the ground textures are definitely something that uh, that I'd like to update. And uh, the funny thing is, when you develop the sceneries, you, you, I guess I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I want to make sure it's all perfect. Mm-hmm. And when I look back at my old sceneries, I kind of get frustrated because I didn't take you know like the extra two minutes to put an edging on a taxiway. But uh, <laughs> that that's kind of something that that I've I've gotten an eye for now. And uh, I mean, and then again, back in ten point three, no one really did put edging on the sides of taxiways, or no one really did focus so much on pbr textures right so there there is that thing but but now looking back at it it's kind of frustrating i didn't do that but when i update it it'll definitely get the full, the full treatment yeah awesome uh stepping back a little bit let me ask you about this i mean how long would you say you sit down for a session of developing on a scenery i mean if you could do it how long are you sitting for 30 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, five hours? How long would you say you're in front of that computer? Well, I, I would say if anyone could do anything in 30 minutes, um, they would be insane and crazy and a really good developer. <laughs> um, I'll even say that to myself and say, hey, well, I got a, a cup of coffee. I'll just sit down front for 30 minutes and maybe animate a gateway or something. And then three hours later, I'm sitting there and I still have six more hours of work ahead of me. But uh, Usually what I'll do is I'll just uh, find a streamer on YouTube or Twitch. I'll put them in the background, listen to their stream and kind of I even listen to them, what they say about different sceneries and kind of pick that up while you're developing yourself. And uh, yeah, a 30 minute job can turn into a 30 hour job if you really want it to. So basically you're saying you go into the, into the, the, the program to, to just update one little thing. And next thing you know, you have a full blown development session going on. Yeah, I remember one time I, I think I was going to move a pylon and then I eventually redid the entire airport. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, man. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I I would not have the patience for that, not gonna lie. But yeah. at, at the same time, you've brought up this uh ninety-nine point nine percent uh accuracy thing, so it makes sense. Uh I, I also wanted to ask you about that. What do you how do you determine that something is 99.9% accurate? Because, I mean, if you're not able to go to the airport exactly, I could I find that that could be a pretty hard thing to do. So do you consider it 99.9% accurate by looking at the reference photos and seeing that it's completely accurate with those? Or is there some sort of internal uh, thought process that you go through? I'm curious. So I'll look at, I mean, sometimes I'm lucky enough to get blueprints which is amazing. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, you get, get, once you have the bl- blueprints, I, I can like confidently say I have something 99.9% accurate to the blueprint, which is mainly accurate to the real thing. Sometimes they change a little bit here and there from the blueprint to the final product. But uh, when I get the blueprints, I, I can definitely confidently build a scenery that I think is 99.9% accurate. Um, but if, if I don't have the blueprints, I will scour the, vid- the YouTube for videos of people, you know, taking videos out their uh, window on the airplane or taking a video of when the WestJet flight's taken off, right? And just pause it every few seconds to look at the terminal building, look at the cars in front of it, look at the people where they're standing, look at the, all the, the luggage carts and, you know, find out where they're all grouping themselves. And then once I reference that with Google Earth and uh, other satellite imagery, and uh, then again, pictures from people that they send in, I can comfortably say that something is 99.9% accurate. That's amazing and time consuming. I can imagine 
um, pausing a video of somebody dropping off somebody terminal building and you're like, oh, I need this. This is the shot I need right here. Give me this column or this, this facade. That, that's pretty good, man. Absolutely pretty good. Just astonishing to me that the patience are required for something like that. Um, you were saying earlier that you, you um, watch all the streamers in the background while you're doing your work. Uh, any music at all playing or just usually streaming stuff? Um, I will listen to some music sometimes. I, I'd rather listen to streamers because I, you know, I, I just like being part of the community and listening to what people are saying about you know the new updates and the new aircraft and how the aircraft's handling. And I, I just like hearing what they say like when they go into like a scenery that someone's developed and take time and they go, wow, this is really awesome. And then they say, oh, but it could use this and it could use this. And I kind of remember that for my next project. So I, I, I like listening to streamers, and I think it helps the way I develop, too. So you're basically wired into the community, bit. You'd say, oh, yeah, definitely. Where do, you, where do you find time to fly? Do you even fly anymore? Or how does that come in? Oh. I did to begin with, and then I found out that senior development, I found, I mean, I love flying, but uh, with the system I had, it was kind of choppy, and I was getting bad frames as the simulator kind of progressed. So I mainly... I didn't stop, but I haven't been flying as much as I would like to. So I definitely found a passion in uh, scenery development and almost found that as a hobby in itself that I, I found a new passion in. So when you flew, what, what was your favorite plane, I must ask? I think back in 10.3, my favorite one was the default King Air C90. That, that was Ooh. my <laughs> Yes. Good choice. That was a good plane. It always, I think that was one of the best default planes. That was always the one that really impressed me. and was the one the one GA aircraft that I would take out for a fun spin. Because I do that all the time with jet aircraft, but I don't know, I'm not as much of a lover of GA, at least in the simulator. I love it in real life. But, I mean, that's a good choice, I must say. Now, I have nightmares in that plane. I can literally hear the, the call-outs, the autopilot, and all the different sounds that plane makes because it was free. That's what you got. And you yeah. flew it, and you learned how to manipulate that stupid autopilot panel, which is, oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> and then the, the visibility out that plane was poor, because you can't really see much, you know. <laughs> but you know what? It did teach me some valuable lessons about flying the, th the thing, you know. I think that helped me transition over into flying on big jets. But yeah, I remember that plane in X-Plane 10. Yeah, that was something else. So I, I think... I just recently got the Tolis A319, and uh, I really wish I would have bought it sooner. I, I'm not one to fly the jets all the time. I, I think GA is way more fun in the sim, but that, that's just my own personal opinion, right? So I just purchased the uh, A319 by Tolis, and I'm, I, I think I'm going to convert to tube liners now. Mm, we've converted you. <laughs> and look, uh, let me just say this right, right away, because people will tell you, it's not about just taking off and pushing the autopilot button and, and, and go your way and pick up the ILS and land. There's tons more fun in there. I would, I would implore you to fly to 10,000 feet and then click off the autopilot on the downwind to our final approach. You'll have some fun with that plane. I guarantee it, man. Yeah, if the, if the visibility is all right, I more than often will turn off the ILS. Uh, well, I'll just turn off the autopilot and I'll fly with the, the glide slope and um, all of that just to you know make sure that I can get in properly. But it's, it, I find that my landings are actually better when I'm owning the plane. I mean, Norm had a stream yesterday um, where he 
sorry to sorry to put you under the <laughs> oh, <laughs> under man. the yeah sorry to to call you out here but uh where he kind of botched his landing a little bit his no his approach and he was like he just took control of the aircraft and then brought it in and like that's exactly what i do when i realize that i'm gonna immediately screw up is just take control of the airplane because nobody can fly the airplane better than you even the computers um True. and that's why we haven't seen automated flight yet but what what made you really enjoy GA flying back in the day? Was it just the ability to look out the window a lot and have that freedom of direction? Because sometimes you feel as if you're kind of, at least I do when you're flying airliners, do you feel like you're kind of strapped to whatever, wherever you're going? Or did, is it that just, was that just your thing? I, when I first did my, when, I guess it kind of, kind of locked with how I did scenery, but I, I always did kind of bush bush strips and bush landings. So uh, I think I got the Carinado 185 and I just started flying around to little tiny bush strips and trying to find a strip off the side of a river and uh, land off of that. And I found a lot of enjoyment out of stuff like that. And uh, I think I did a lot of little tiny bush strips where I would find like a, a sandbar and I go into Google Earth and I, I'd look at the sandbar and then I'd see videos of someone else landing their pipe, Piper Cub on the sandbar in real life. And I was like, hey, I'm going to put that next plane and I'm going to try it with my 185. And uh, after, yeah, I just really got down with the 185 and I had so much fun with it. And I think I developed like 10 or 15 different little bush strips around British Columbia, Canada, and uh, kind of just did VFR flights from little town to little town. Oh, wow. We should get you to set up one of our group flights that we have from time to time because those are the little runways that we try to find and go into. You know, just something to break up the monotony of flying into big airports all the time. So you you <laughs> so you develop those little airport sceneries, just small ones. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, like the uh, I know one that's really fun to fly in, which I totally recommend. Um, it's a special place down in South British Columbia called uh, Castlegar. Um, I guess you could compare it to the look of Canada, I guess. Um, it's they, they take anywhere. I think they have Dash 8s coming in there with Air Canada. But uh, they take anywhere that and a small GA aircraft. And it's just a really fun approach. Um, lots of wet, like uh, re requirements for the weather when you got to fly in. You can't do it on a cloudy day at all because it's all just a visual approach. It's, it's a really fun approach into that airport. Yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of, I really feel that um like what what you were just saying about the whole the smaller airports being just being special i know that my favorite places to fly are the, the smaller airports that are kind of like untouched by everybody else like my favorite place to fly um is i love doing the anchorage to barrow alaska hop because barrow alaska is like it's the northernmost airport and alaska does it i think they fly it with their 600s um actually they might do it with their 800s too occasionally but it's, it's it's just like it feels as if you're kind of going into uncharted territory per mm -hmm. se and mm -hmm. there's something really special about that like barrow i don't think it has scenery i, I might have installed some scenery but it's it's this tiny little runway there's no terminal there's just a little there's there's like just a little building and it's for passengers to wait to stay warm and then you go out and there's just one taxiway uh, that just goes from one end of the runway to the other and then you just take off from there and it's 
it's pretty high altitude if I remember correctly. So you have to have, um, it, it's a very, very fun departure. Uh, but it's, it's always just, there's something like special about that. And, uh, I think that's why I enjoy doing those less seen flights more like at, going to Attic Alaska is also a nice thing. Um, I mean, I, I can't, I feel like there's a lot of those in, in Canada now. Uh, Every set, every second one is one of those kind of airports. Um, it's there's there's a lot of I know b- between the section between Kamloops, British Columbia, and Vancouver, British Columbia. There's a bunch of airports on the side of the the uh, the Trans Canada, and uh, you know they have one runway, they have one taxiway, and they have one apron, and they have one hangar, right? And just being able to develop all those, I've learned so much on on how much these airports. Uh, you know, mean to the communities and how much or, or and how how unique they are. And I've it's just crazy. Some of the approaches that I've done into these small airports and like a 185 and uh, just just being able to, to, to see the world around you and uh, being immer- being able to immerse yourself in something like that is just so amazing. So when you say when you learn about how much these airports mean to the communities, are these from people who you ask to help you out with the airports who will like tell you stories about them? There's always stories from locals that have that that go out of the airport. Um, every single airport you go to, there's a local that's been there for you know 50 plus years that used to fly his beaver out of there. You know stories like that, and wow. those are the ones that get me, and those are the ones that kind of inspire me to make the sceneries for those places because I want to try to immerse myself into a similar experience. So what best, you know, what, what better ways to do it than than a flight sim, right? And especially if I develop the scenery to go with it, because then I can. I can do these flights they talked about doing back in the forties and fifties with these old air airplanes. Do you mind like sharing like one, one personal story that you might've heard? Cause that I, I personally was very touched uh, to hear about stories from, from Newfoundland and, and um, I, I watched uh, what was it called? Come from away. And that was a really cool thing to watch for me because there were a bunch of stories about what flying meant to everybody up there. And you'd think that it would mean nothing to them. Uh, because they, they, I, I don't know. I feel like flying might mean more t- to people who are like, uh, in more city centers because they, uh, they're they're around it a lot more. So, would you? I mean, were there any stories that stood out to you? One that stood out to me a lot was the one that I talked about before with the ex-military guy, um, and another one I just recently heard of is a a, a guy who used to fly up north of Ontario in uh, kind of the Hudson's Bay area, I think, like uh, really, really northern Ontario. And uh, he was just telling me the kind of the stuff that, that he flew and the, uh, you know, the piston otters, the single otters, the uh, he flew a couple twin otters and a couple of turbo beavers and just hearing the stories of going into these really remote communities with these old airplanes and knowing that you're the only one with an airplane in you know, the next 200 miles, 300 miles, you're the only one with an airplane and a way out from that community. So you're really remote, right? And hearing these stories from these guys that would come in with like broken floats or like, you know, like a a strut that was bent somehow on takeoff. It's just, it's just really, really cool. Yeah. On on another note, let me ask you this question. Since you started in X-Plane 10, do you monitor your downloads as far as how much is being downloaded? Um, how many, you know, the amount of sceneries and what's the difference now? And have you seen an uptick in the download since 11 came out? Explain 11 and so forth. I've definitely seen 
uh, an uptick in X- when X Plane Eleven came out. Um, I I can't fly on X Plane Eleven yet. It's killing me. I can only run X Plane Ten because of my current system, but uh, which is being upgraded right now. Thank thank God. But uh, the uh, w- when I used to monitor them before, I think I got like two hundred downloads on my first one, and I was like, wow, two hundred people actually wanted this. It's just a remote place in the middle of Canada. Like, why would anyone want to go here? <laughs> and uh, and then I, then I did another one, and it was like, wow, 300 pe- people, and then 400, and then I released Calgary, and I think I have 30,000 downloads on that right now, and it just blew my mind. Jeez. And, yeah, I think... Uh, and explain 11. Um, I mean, how, how's the trajectory on that one? I, like, on how explain 11 is going to stay, or, like, what, what the future of that is for like? Or... Yeah, I mean, how is it now? I mean... Um... <clears throat> Is it is it steady downloads? More people coming into the sim? Because I, I the reason I'm asking, I feel like I've been in XP11 only maybe like three years or a little bit more than that. But in the last year or so, I just feel like it's just taken off more so than anything else. I mean, have you seen that with the scenery downloads that you have now? I think I definitely had. I mean, I did a uh, when I did Calgary, I released it. I think at like ten point five, X Plane ten point five, and then X Plane eleven came out. I think I got twenty thousand downloads after the first couple months from that. So, um, I, I definitely see a spike on people coming to X Plane and, and downloading uh, these these things, um, which is happy. I'm glad to see, and I, I think X Plane eleven has a really fair future ahead of itself. I don't, I don't think uh, the developers are going to throw in the towel and say. Microsoft 2020, they want it. So we're not going to develop anymore. I definitely think Laminar Research is doing their work because it's they're clearly passionate about it, and you can see it with the sim itself. So I, I'm really excited to see where Xpoint 11 goes, and uh, I'm happy to be bringing more P3D developers into the work that I'm doing. I know uh, with Vancouver, I'm working with uh, FSim Studios, which have done some amazing work with uh, Canada for P3D. Um, so I'm kind of happy for bringing them into the X-Plane scene and uh, we're working on a couple big projects right now um, that we can talk about later, but uh, yeah. That's good, that's good. Um, do you include uh, ortho now in your bigger sceneries, like the bigger airports, do you include ortho around it or no? Uh, the bigger ones, yes. Um, the smaller ones I have too. Um, I've, I've been trying tinkering with ways to kind of replace the feeling of ortho with the really high definition grass textures and stuff like that. But obviously, it doesn't give you the same feeling. So if I do have the opportunity to use ortho, I definitely will. I know I've used ortho in some airports that are ridiculously small that you would never expect ortho scenery. But I think 85% of the stuff that I have, you can get with ortho included. No, that's good to know because I fly all ortho. As a matter of fact, I didn't even download any of the explained sceneries anymore, just all ortho. And so I love an, an airport that's integrated so to speak in my ortho where i don't have to do a lot of work just to drop the airport the ortho is underneath and you you almost don't see the edges of the, where the airport boundaries are so that's the reason why i'm asking i've definitely developed it with ortho in mind because that's all i used too when, when i was flying quite a bit um i always had ortho for everywhere i flew so every scenery that i have i've since i was using it personally i always made sure it was compatible with ortho so if you have ortho nine out of 10 times is going to align almost perfectly and you won't notice a transition. Yeah, that's great. That is absolutely great, man. Definitely. <clears throat> so uh, you going to Vancouver, you released an update today about the development process and uh, everything that's going right there. Um, 
And right now, as far as I can tell, you have most of the terminals rendered and you have everything uh, modeled for over there. Uh, so uh, what I'm curious about is your process. So once you get to a point like this, what do you tackle next? And what do you tackle before this? Uh, because every senior developer seems to have a different way of tackling uh, a specific scenery, like it's different order that they like to take. So what's your order? Yeah, I can go from step step one to step uh, 100 if you want. Yeah, sure. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, go for it. I know the first step I always take is I do my research. I mean, it, it kind of sounds corny, but the more you know about something and the more you kind of geek out on it, the better your product is, I think, in the end. So I'll spend maybe, you know, an evening or two just looking at, you know, videos of other people and uh, how they fly into it and their, their, their GA adventures or looking at videos of people taking, you know, videos out the side of the airplane when they get one of their airline tickets. Or, uh, so, so yeah, that's kind of the first thing I do is I do a lot of research to see what this airport is about, you kind of what kind of flights come out of there, wh how important it is, how, how clean it is, how, how it functions. And then I can really get into the development process. So I think the first thing I'll do is I'll look to see if I can get my hands on ortho photos. Um, usually I've been pretty lucky with getting it. And uh, so far, I think, you know, most of my stuff has have had ortho photos. So if I do get the go ahead and the permission to use ortho photos, I uh, will then take them into Photoshop. I'll get them, you know, spruced up. I'll take all the uh, kind of ghosts of aircraft sitting on the ground, replace it with the grass to make sure you don't see that in the sim and really analyze these images and make sure they're super crisp for the uh, end user. So I kind of build it from the bottom up. And that's why I start with the ortho photos first. And then I think after I'm done the ortho photos, I like to focus on the vegetation. So I really like look at the colors and the different hues and the different types of vegetation and uh, kind of what part of the country it is. Because there's different vegetation from Vancouver to, you know, Newfoundland, right? So you really have to pay attention to what kind of trees you want to use in your, in your scene. And uh, yeah, I get the, the vegetation usually takes two to three, maybe, maybe a week day a uh, week's time um of development just because you want to get everything from the grass around the terminal to the to the tree lines that are like a mile out so then when you're doing your approach you you actually see the tree lines and it, it kind of feels a little bit more realistic right um which i know vegetation is a huge thing in the sim because even though you may not have every single building down if you have accurate vegetation around the airport it will completely transform your scenery and i guess that, that's yeah. something tip to any other scenery developers make sure that they have proper you know vegetation right yeah absolutely i mean have you ever started doing your research for a project and then you just have to stop doing it because you don't have enough things uh, enough uh, resources yeah i did that i think for i think it was port hardy up in british columbia I realized that there was just no documentation on it, so I had to give up on the project, which was kind of a shame because I've been wanting to fly there for so long. But uh, yeah, there's been a couple instances. Usually I push myself through it, and uh, if it's possible, that if there is no imagery available or if there is no pictures, sometimes I'll get... Uh, uh, what's it? There's just pictures from people who live in the area that I might know. Um, that's kind of a rare case, though. So yeah, there's been a couple times where I've had to give up on certain projects. But are, do you like persist? Uh, you said you persisted through it uh, as much as you could. Are there times where you 
check back on a project and you're like, oh my God, actually there are some things now and I can go back at it? Or has that just not happened yet? It's happened a couple times. I've noticed that it's, that it's happened and then I'm like, wow, I don't have any time to do that now. And that kind of sucks. Because <laughs> I, I think they updated the uh, satellite imagery for Part Hardy now. So I guess maybe once I'm done a couple projects, I might uh, do that one. But uh, y- you never know where it takes you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on your website right now, canada4explain.weebly.com. And I'm looking at the, uh, I guess, one of the entrance ways for the um, Vancouver scenery coming up, where you have the, the through lane um, and the, just everything detailed. Is this road a solid road that can be um, driven on, so to speak, in the sim? What, what do you mean by that? Um, I've had some sceneries where, like, for instance, there's a Mr. X scenery where I literally in, was this was Albuquerque? I have a car, right? Because sometimes I do, I do like a scene, not really scene review, reviews, but I fly into a new scenery. Um, some of the guys like me to jump in. There's a car in X-Plane, believe it or not, you can drive. So you can drive it on the taxiway, you can drive it on the runway. And I, I literally drive up to the front of the airport in some of these sceneries. Now, um, some of these are, have elevated roadways, so to speak, that are solid and some of them are not. Uh, do you make your solid or just, um, just the look of it alone? There's actually a funny story to that. I always made every single object I had solid. So there's a little feature you can put in when you're developing an object where you can make it hard or a hard deck. So if you fly an aircraft into it, it crashes, or you can drive a car over it. And I used to love to do that because it kind of gave you a little bit more realism and, and you know, more responsibility not to fly right into the control tower, right? <laughs> right, so, right. But then when X-Plane 11 came out, it started, I don't know if this is a bug, and I don't know if it's official yet, but the hard materials, I guess you would call them, they would bug out, and all of a sudden there'd be this random 100-foot-high wall by 200 feet long that would be right in the middle of the terminal that would be invisible. Yes, I've seen them. So I've, I haven't had that problem in X-Plane 10, but I've had my X-Plane users saying, hey, I was on an approach for like a six-hour flight, and all of a sudden my plane <laughs> backed into an invisible wall. <laughs> and uh so oh so yeah God. i have i have to refrain on how many polygons i can make hard because if i do too many for some reason that problem you know occurs i don't know why i really have no clue but uh i figured that if i don't make every single building hard that uh it, it the problem doesn't occur so roadways i try to make so then you can drive on them with the car because i know I, i've done that a couple times myself too um, anything that where anything that's really crucial, if you hit it, there should be some sort of uh, consequence. I will make hard, like let's say a, a, a jet blast fence. I'll, I'll make them hard so when you clip them on your landing, you actually crash it. Oh, uh, good to know. <laughs> I, I remember watching a couple streamers. Sometimes they were in uh, approach to Kelowna, and there's two jet blast fence, and uh, he stalled it like a couple hundred feet from the threshold, and he clipped the, the uh, jet blast fence, and he crashed the entire flight. And uh, he was like, yeah, usually that doesn't happen because, you know, developers don't really uh, care to put the uh, actual hardness to the material. But, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of amusing for sure. <laughs> I'm laughing. That is funny. You don't, get to, you don't get to cheat the landing anymore. There you go. No, you don't get to cheat the landing. Not when you come to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I, I also I also can't help but laugh at the invisible wall thing because imagine just <laughs> imagine you're in the middle you have 
you said it like the six hour flight and then you just like pummel into a wall that you just don't see i i don't know i think that's a pretty funny thing maybe it's an intentional bug that they're keeping because they think it's funny no that used to happen between la and las vegas for me i did a flight took out, out of la did that that uh ocean whatever departure where you circle back out to the ocean come over la and head towards vegas and i hit something man i'm telling you i don't know what it was i was so mad because you spend so much time setting up the airplane you know but hey but i'm looking at this this vancouver picture i'm definitely going to be driving the car on this road when i get the scenery once i get the scenery in my hands i'm gonna do a little airport tour of it because it look i'm looking at it right now it looks so realistic man Absolutely oh, great work. The, uh, oh, right at the terminal underneath the Fairmont Hotel. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. That's oh, yeah. That, that's going to be definitely quite. I'm really excited to uh, get that into the sim and really see how X-Plane makes that shine. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm, I'm feeling that one. That's going to be good. Oh, I was just going to say, I find it funny that you're getting excited to drive like it's an airport norm. <laughs> no, look. All right. Here's the deal, right? You know, X-Plane 10 was okay. X-Plane 11 came out was fine. But... All these airports that are coming out are so detailed now. You know, as an example, this one we're looking at right now, uh, Vancouver here, that what I find is that I fly into it, I look at the runway, I look at the taxiway, I taxi up to the gate, and I'm done. All this work has been put in by the developer, right? All the external stuff outside the airport has been put in the parking lot, the parking structure, the tower, that... 95% of the people don't even get to see it. We don't take the time to look at these things, right? No, seriously. And I don't fly GA, so I can't come over to the airport at a certain angle or a certain approach and circle land or whatever. I fly in on an ILS five mile out. I land on a runway and I taxi in. Now that I have the car, I can literally go look at a shot like this and drive up it and go, wow. You know what I mean? Because you put so much time into an airport like this for what? for us not to see it so i hey i'm gonna look at your work man i like i like looking at works that's the reason why i'm gonna drive and explain that's it I, I totally recommend driving to quebec then i i put in a lot of work Ooh. in the infield because like the the entire airport kind of surrounds the center where all the parking lots are right so if you really want a fun drive in x-plane 11 i guess check out uh quebec city international and uh, you'll, you'll have kind of a good time all right i'm look i'm looking at it right now as a matter of fact, I am actually going to go there. I need to do some more Canadian legs on my next couple of flights. You know, it's 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 interesting. Like, we're talking about driving and flight simulators. Imagine the day that every single simulator is just mushed up into one thing. So you can you could just, like, take a drive to the airport and then, like, hop on your plane and then land at, like, let's say you do a cargo flight, then you take your flight you land then you hop into a truck and then you start trucking it somewhere that would be so cool i've already thought about it i've already thought about no <laughs> i kid you not patent the idea immediately no, honestly do a stream start at a location in the car drive to the airport go up to the gate switch into the airplane and fly i've thought about it before i just haven't had the chance to do it with some x-plane scenery now i bet you you could do that and it would be pretty uh, immersive yep it's, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, you, you have developed the parking lot area and the entrance area so good that it looks good. You know what I mean? That's why I asked about the road, if it's going to be a solid object or not. But now that you said about Quebec, we're going to be heading to Quebec soon. 
That's awesome. I'll have to watch the stream for sure. <laughs> true, true, true. You, you know what you should do? You should do that uh that new Anchorage, and you can do Anchorage to the two. Actually, that'd be pretty far for you. Yeah, that, that's a, a six six and a half hour flight or something like that going west <laughs> Saturday you know. morning. Yeah, we could do Boston, Quebec, or Montreal, or Ottawa, or, or Toronto, Quebec. Actually, would be better. Ta Toronto, Quebec would be power hour and a half flight, maybe. Hamilton's a good one too, because we develop both Hamilton and Quebec too. You know. Ah, there you go. I'm getting ideas here. Some good ideas here. <laughs> true, 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 man. But <clears throat> when you look back at the body of your work, I mean, how do you how, well, how does it make you feel personally? You know, like, man, when you started, you're just thinking, you know what, I'm doing one or two airports for myself. Now you have this huge body of work. How does it make you feel? I'm proud of it because, you know, I, I do put a lot of my own personal work with it, especially when I did freeware, right? Because I, I, I wasn't charging a single penny for my time. And uh, I, I really like just giving back to the community because one thing that I find X-Plane that's so special is the community. And I think almost everyone can agree with that when they fly an X-Plane and they enter X-Plane because they go to the org and you can get help there. You can get free material there. You can get, you can get everything to make your sim almost you know, perfect right from the xplane.org that's made free from other people. So I'm happy to be one of the people that has made the X-Plane community, I guess, better. I, I don't know if I can say that, but yes absolutely I'm, I'm happy that i've put in my part and looking back even though my the quality of stuff that i produced you know back when in the x-plane 10 days may not be what's the norm now it, it's all a project that i'm eventually gonna you know get get what i think is perfect and i'm, I'm just happy that people en enjoyed what i worked on and enjoyed what i do and they actually find the, the enjoyment out of flying in canada now yeah, I mean, Canada's a gorgeous place, and you bringing life to it is also great. And I mean, as you said, like I love the the community that Xplain has, and especially the freeware community because I feel like those developers are the ones that really drive us, uh, dr not drive us, but drive the entire community towards making new things for certain areas, like every every single area that I've seen focused on, like every airport has started from a freeware developer making something and taking a lot of time to do it and, and showing it to the community. The, the best payware airports are usually come after freeware uh, because of that. And I think that you've also done a really great job bringing that to Canada. I've, I've seen way more Canadian airports appear in the last few years. Uh, and I think a lot of that is thanks to you because like you, uh, I started an X-Plane 10 as well, and uh, I wasn't able to do some flights into Canada for the exact reason that there was no scenery there. And I mean, you know, sometimes it's fine to fly without scenery, but here and there you really want it. Um, and you definitely brought it there. So, I mean, I I think that um, I, I, I'm glad that you're proud of your work because it's important to always remember that. I feel like sometimes we're all busy, 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 and don't really take time to sit back and appreciate the stuff that we've done for other people and also just the stuff that we've done in general. So having that reflection is always really great. Yeah. And I mean, if I, the perfect world, I wouldn't have payware and I do everything freeware, but there does come a, a, a place where I can't, you know, support myself doing it free all the time. 
And I really didn't want to overcharge a user for using my sceneries, you know, and I, I think eleven ninety nine for Hamilton is a fair price for, uh, you know, supporting a developer. And uh, that was one of my main goals. And I was like, if I, if I get into commercial scenery and if I start selling it, I don't want to overcharge any user for anything. I want to accurately price my things because, you know, in the end, I'm a user too. And I would feel really bad if someone, you know, purposely overcharged an add-on and then kind of just used it to make, you know, money, right? So I guess that's something like, yeah, like I just want to tell, tell the people that uh, it's just, there comes a point where things do, you know, have to cost something. And I, I personally can't support that to be freeware all the time. So, uh, yeah, but I, I really do, you know, make sure that if you buy a $20 scenery, you're getting a $20 scenery. You're, you're, you know, you're not getting a $10 scenery that was overhyped or anything like that. No, that is that is much appreciated. Absolutely, coming from uh, the consumer of all these um, add-ons, for explain, you know, <clears throat> I, I and you can tell when a developer has put time into a scenery. There's little details that necessarily does not have to be there, but when it's there, you're like, yeah, that's what makes the difference. So I definitely appreciate that. It's kind of what you said in the beginning uh, when you said in order for you to do a scenery, you really want to get excited about it you see that excitement in uh, some developers' sceneries and, and you can see when a developer is really excited about a place. And those are the sceneries that end up doing the best. Like I, the, the sceneries that I do have of yours, I can see that you're really excited to be doing this. And uh, I mean, I don't have Vancouver yet because of course I don't have Vancouver because it's not out. But I mean, seeing all the, seeing the renders and seeing all the images, like, it looks so good and like you could not make that if you weren't excited about it, you know? And I mean, I think the same thing applies to many people in this community as well. You can't make something if you're not excited for it. Uh, otherwise you're just like making it to make it and you're never going to get anything amazing if you're not like putting your heart and soul into it. Yeah. I know. I, I remember uh, I just completely ditched a couple projects I mean, I think I did a couple projects in the States. I was going to do a couple airports for uh, somebody. And I really just lost interest. And I was like, sorry, man, I can't keep developing this. I don't have the drive to, to, do, to, to develop somewhere where I personally won't fly in. And uh, I, I just don't, like, not, not saying anything bad about the States, but I just don't. <laughs> I have more passion to develop my hometown airport than some small GA airport down in, in the States, right? Yeah, right. And... That definitely showed because when I did Calgary, I, I put in the most time and knowledge that I had a couple years ago, uh, which is totally different from today. And it showed. I mean, I, I there's twenty or so thousand downloads on that, and I, I'm pretty proud of that. Right? Yeah. Yep. That is awesome. As I will not sully my name by designing inferior products <laughs> in the states. Yeah, I mean, I've had the same uh, thing here and there. Like, there's been video projects that I've ditched on threshold because I'm just I'm not really excited about them. I they're they're interesting, but they don't get me wanting to come down and, and sit down on my computer for a few hours and edit them. Like the podcast is always something I'm excited to do. Uh because, you know, we're talking right now, uh, and I'm learning all these things about you right now and I'm hearing all these things from you right now. But I also uh, I also learn more as I continue to edit things through and having that 
is something I very much enjoy. There's been times when Norm and I will talk about things that we have heard other guests say um, after we're done recording and, and things that like intrigue us. And we'll have a quick little conversation about that. And then I'll come back to it after editing and I'll be like, you know what, that thing that we were talking about, here's like some more about that that I noticed. And it's a, it's a fun little thing. And it, you know, you, you learning about somebody is something I very much enjoy and why I enjoy the podcast so much. And that's why there's that excitement. And that's why I try to get the episodes out as much as possible, as, as quick as possible, because I just, and being able to sit down and edit a podcast is something I'm excited about and it doesn't always happen, but that's when my best work comes out. Yep. So have we missed anything that we, that you wanted to talk about or we did, you wanted to mention to your um, fans or, you know, people who consume your product, anything that we missed that you wanted to say or get out there or just anything you want to tell them? Um, I guess, I know a lot of people who are trying, you know, like they, they want to develop their hometown airport. And uh, I guess one thing I can, can say is that it you don't have to have a background to be able to learn how to get into flights and development. Um, it's, I mean, you learn on the way and your first scenery is not going to be perfect. Mine was complete trash, but <laughs> you learn from that, right? And you, you get better every single time. And I really hope more people get into development for flight sim, not just X-Plane, but for flight sim in general, and uh, kind of dr drive this community to become bigger. Um, yeah, that's, that's one thing, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. That's it. Inspiration right there. Patrick, thank you so much for talking to us. This has been great. Uh, and I, I wish we had been able to talk about trains a little bit more, but maybe we'll, we can do that off recording. Thank you so much for <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I'm very excited for Vancouver, and I'm definitely going to be checking out more of your sceneries now that we've been had the time to sit down and I like I get to feel your your vibe. You know, <laughs> definitely appreciate it, Patrick. I actually have um, Quebec City up right now. I'm going to be getting that and planning a flight up there, definitely, really and truly soon. So appreciate your work, man. Thank you for sharing with us and spending your time hanging out. Awesome. Thank you, guys. It's, it's been great.